Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am really thrilled to have a rad human, another rad human, a super special friend joining me today. And before I let you know who she is, no, I'll just dive in. It's Caro. Hi, Caro. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I fear this podcast might have a lot of giggling, but what I said to Carol before we jumped on was it's really important and totally special to me that we have athletes and artists and humans who give a lot of hoots about being the best versions of themselves, about putting themselves on the line, about creating memories and things in the world. And Carol is all of that. And I am super, super grateful for your time. And we're going to dive into the athlete, the human, the artist. I love it. Are you ready? Yes. What I should really tell people, or maybe not, how would you introduce yourself? Well, it was a beautiful introduction. The one that you just gave, I often struggle with titles and things that I feel like I need to box myself in with, like Mm -hmm. nouns. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I always introduce myself if I, if I have to, you know, say it as a, a, a verb or a sentence is I am a human that is curious in order to expand my freedom, my personal freedom. And, and for me, that means being an artist and creating things, just doing something from nothing, <laughs> like starting something from scratch and creating ideas and making change and making things happen. So whatever that looks like, as far as the outcome, that's the <laughs> verb in the sentence that I go with. I love it. And if you follow Carol on Instagram, we'll make sure her link is below. You're constantly creating and I love your pen to paper and whether it's morning gratitude or your latest sketches or business ideas, you are so in the practice of creating. And I'm going to jump in and you may or may not like me for this, but the truth is Carol is also a 2008 Olympian. We met, I think I should add to her intro that I was her roommate. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> at a retreat we attended together. At this retreat with Simon Whitfield. So for the Canadians listening to the podcast, Simon Whitfield was one of Canada's finest triathletes. And he schooled Caro on her swim times. And the line of the camp was, Caro, you are extraordinary. <laughs> and that is very true. And I think that's an important part of this. You also are the co-founder of Rise, which is a mentorship program for athletes. Are you only working with women? It's both women and men. Yes. So it's in all sports. Rise is Olympians that mentor youth athletes. So all sports gone international now. So we have different countries, so different Olympians from different countries, athletes from all over the globe. So it's really a very diverse global community, which is cool. That is so rad. That is so, so cool. And I know you didn't start off by telling us that you were a 2008 Olympian, (laughs) but I want to go back there because that's a real thing. And I want to know about chasing the Olympic dream and about life after the Olympic Games. Well, I'm just now starting to really appreciate the entire concept of being an Olympian. And I think the more that I appreciate it, the freer I feel going back to what you were saying at the beginning, because I feel like I've created something now because of that platform that I was given. 
But yeah, so I grew up in Kentucky. I went to school at Florida, University of Florida, and I went to the Beijing Olympics 2008, slammed the four by two. I was third leg of the relay and it was a beautiful race. We got bronze. We were supposed to get gold, but we got bronze. So it was a little bit bittersweet because you're at the you're at the pinnacle of everything you've ever imagined. And you've gone through, you know, two decades of just endless training. And I know you get it. I'm in the pool eight hours a day. I'm in dry land two hours, weights no, and running for the and record, everything. I've never gone to Olympics and I've never <laughs> swum eight hours a day. Yeah. Well, you also, well, I mean, I, maybe that's exaggerating, maybe six, but you also do insane it's amounts incredible. of work. And so there's a feeling that you have when you finish and it's just so crazy because you finish and you're like, I'm done. Is that it? Like, so now what do I do? And so you have to reframe everything. Like, do I keep going? Do I keep competing? Do I have to now shift gears and change my life or should I act differently? Do I need to act differently? Do I need to do different things? You, you really question everything mm. because your whole identity has been wrapped up in one thing and doing one thing with tunnel vision for as long as you can possibly remember. Yeah. And Pause. I, yes. I need to interrupt because I think that this is super important for people in careers as well. And you're mm -hmm. attached, you identify yourself, you attach yourself to an organization and that organization might change and you might get fired or you might choose to leave. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm not a part of that anymore. Who am I? Yeah. And I think it's so relevant because we put Olympians on this pedestal that you just must be the hero you are a hero. You're everyone's hero. And the younger generation looks at you in awe and the older generation looks at you with mad respect. And then you finish the games and saying, and now what? And so, mm. yeah, what was that journey like for you? And there's so much information out there now, and especially, you know, right now <laughs> in our current times, the importance of mental health. And so when I finished, I was in this transition of loss of identity, zero self-confidence in myself outside of what my physical self had done, no understanding of what else I could possibly do. Even though I knew what I could be good at, I didn't know how to do it. I knew I wanted to, I knew I had the drive to do it, but I had no idea what the frame would look like. And so I just, I was so lost. I mean, I, I will not lie to you guys. I'm, I was so lost. I felt extremely alone. And to be honest, 2010 was when I retired. It took a really long break after 2008, but then I retired in 2010. And I remember knowing that I wanted to be more and knowing that I was down to struggle, but I didn't know what that looked like. And I didn't understand, but I knew that I had to sign up for that and subscribe to that because that was the only way that I could take myself to wherever I wanted to be. Mm. You know, I knew nothing came easy. But there was this moment I remember vividly just being so confused with the fact that I had never seen myself as anybody else. It was like, wait, what? I've never cultivated that identity? I thought I did. Like, I thought I knew who I was. Like, I was raised in a beautiful family. And like, I thought I knew who I was. And that had nothing really to do with it because I chose to be in a space where I didn't really develop myself outside of that small skill set. And that's okay. That's what I had to do. <laughs> but it was a 
choice to then move forward with my life. And it was really freaking hard. And Mm -hmm. I was so lost. So I went to, I mean, long story short to, to put it into a nutshell, I went through years of chasing, chasing things and degrees and accolades and different races and different this and that. And my body was so tired. My heart was tired. My mind was tired. Nothing was possibly going to match that feeling. And I finally came to the conclusion that I've been chasing so many things in order to feel that high again, and nothing is getting there. So then once that recognition came in, it was like a downward spiral. I just chose to fall into the hole and I didn't ever see myself coming out of it. So I was super depressed, went to therapy for almost a year and a half, two years. I mean, it was a dark, dark time. <laughs> like I know I sound light about it, but it was extremely, it was extremely dark. I had no concept of really who I was as a human being outside of the accolades that I thought that I needed to to have to feel successful, external validation. Hot so yeah, it was damn. a lot of internal validation work that was pretty gnarly <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. And what better place? I mean, I was actually just talking to my coach about this. We were at a training camp and he's like, you can't go through the fire without going through the fire. Mm -hmm. And you never wish anyone to go through the fire, but yet the other side of the fire are some pretty sweet lessons and perspective. And Mm -hmm. you hope the fire doesn't blaze too long and too hot, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it does. Sometimes it burn hotter before we get out the other side. And what's super cool is you haven't lost the nugget, the golden egg of now being in this environment of creating a platform with your best friend and fellow Olympian to help give Olympic athletes greater purpose on the other side of of their experience and to help keep the younger generation, the youth athletes in sport, because the risk of what do I do on the other side is almost easy enough to drop out of. If you don't, if you give up earlier, you never have to worry about what's on the other side. Right. When you stick with it and put your entire life and your whole well-being into something, it's a really big deal to see your life on the other side. So tell me about Rise. When did it come to be? That's exactly right. And, you know, Rise came to be because of those things you just said. One, that Rebecca and I kept in close touch right when I retired. She still swam for a little bit longer. She's Rebecca Sony. She was also at the retreat. She's like eight time medalist in the Olympics. She's an incredible soul. Her and I kept in close touch and we both were going through a lot of struggles and she knew how much I was struggling. And when I retired from swimming, it was just like, you will cling to anybody that understands, you know, and, and she was phenomenal. So long story short, I went to graduate school for sports psychology at the University of Tennessee and her and I had a conversation like a week before I graduated and she was telling me about how she had started mentoring athletes online. She had this whole business plan that she had in mind and wanted to share it with me. And so I I was sitting in the parking lot of my apartment in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I had been, obviously I wanted to go into this field because I felt the need to change lives for people that we're going through, you know, anxiety and sport, and we're going through a loss of identity, all of those things, performance anxiety. And she told me, and I was like, dude, let's do this. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm down. Like, who can I mentor? Let's make this happen. So over time, what we recognized was we organically created Rise because 
we were both aware of the implications of a youth athletes not developing an identity or having support and understanding on how to overcome obstacles and manage your performance anxiety and perform at a high level with an identity in sport and outside of sport. And then also the importance of these Olympic athletes either still competing or retiring from the sport and having something that they can use, like they can use their bank and their wealth of knowledge and everything they've learned to impact that next generation. And that gives them significance. So to us, it was like a no brainer. We're like, wait, this, this makes so much sense. And forming that entire idea and thought was really challenging because, you know, we have different audiences and there's so many different things that you can make out of this. But we really did it so that it could impact the next generation. You know, these youth athletes have an Olympian to learn all the sports psychology tips, tools, tricks, experience, empowerment. And then the Olympians feel like, wow, I mean, this is just so damn cool that I can feel this sense of significance again without going and actually coaching physical sport. Of course. Your coaching mindset, you're sharing your experiences, you're sharing your failures, you're sharing your dark places, you're sharing your insecurities. You're relating to these youth on a level that is so unique. When I was 15, what I would have given to hop on my internet and talk to an Olympian, you know? So I think it's, I'm just now recognizing the power of that now that I'm able to form a business where that is really important. I wouldn't have ever thought that it would have gotten this far even three years ago when we started. So just being totally honest, like we were in it and you, you do it because your heart and soul is energetically tied to that concept and to that belief. And I think that there were so many times when Rev and I were like, what are we doing? Is this even going to work? This is so hard. And and we always related everything back to sport. You know, it's like we're entrepreneurs and we're relating things to these lessons that we learned which are that if you believe in something enough and you know that you can potentially make a fraction of a difference in the world, in an organization, in a community, then you rest on that. And you know that that goal that you're about to just do (laughs) is going to be freaking hard and no days are going to be easy. You're going to train like crap for an entire week and it's okay. Like it's not going to be perfect. So yeah. I just go off on tangents, but <laughs> no, it's awesome. So you're three years in and how many athletes are part of rise now? So we have about 60 to 70 and the Olympians, we have 22, three are in training right now. So it's great. And they're all sports, uh, predominantly female, but we do have males and international. Oh. So South Africa and South America and we're getting Canada here on the radar. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's been a very eye-opening experience just to see that and to get the feedback too from the Olympians, how they feel so significant yeah. as well. It's so, I mean, it's brilliant because I haven't met an entrepreneur yet who's like, oh, I've got this. It's no problem in the bag. You know, you're one, you're horrible. <laughs> it's so real. Yeah. And when you've experienced such a pinnacle in life known as the Olympic Games, it's like your next Olympic journey is launching and running this thriving business. And it's not without its struggles, of course, because Nor was getting to the games. And I think celebrating failure is a beautiful thing as long as you haven't given up on it. And so you haven't mm-hmm. given up on Rise and you're still in it. And be it Rise or, you know, the rest of your world, what's your favorite yeah. failure to date, Carol? 
Oh, I failed so many times. I mean, I cannot even remember how many times. I failed way more than I succeeded. (laughs) My favorite failure would have to be my sophomore year. And this is sport related. So I'm going to stick with sport right now because that taught me a lot. My favorite failure was sophomore year because my freshman year was phenomenal. I came in, lights out, felt incredible one SECs, NCAAs, like I just was on fire and sophomore year, the expectation train just came ramming into my face. And I was like, Oh God, I can't even believe what I have to live up to now, you know, and here freshman year, of course, it's so easy to get going because it's all new and it's all, you don't have any expectations. It's different, but expectations can be beautiful because they do teach you a lot about yourself. If you handle them in a poor way. And I just completely gave up on myself. And so it was a lesson sophomore year. I went from being seated first and everything to not even making it back in NCAAs and even make any of the international teams. <clears throat> I, I didn't even make NCAAs my best event. I don't think, I mean, I think i made it in the 500, but not even in the 200. I, maybe I did, but you know, it was like an eye opening experience for me as to how much I could self-sabotage myself. Like Mm -hmm. I could just self-sabotage better than the rest of them. Like I (laughs) created a problem out of every damn thing that was there. And I made myself out to be this absolute failure on every level. That was a, a freaking huge learning lesson for me. I cannot stress enough the amount of mindset work that came out of that. And I owe a lot of it to Tim. I, our counselor at Florida, because he really brought out a lot of my inner self-talk for the first time in my whole life. Really? I was a late bloomer. You know, I was, I was great in high school, but I wasn't like thinking about myself talk that much. Cause I just didn't give a shit about anything. I just did whatever. And I had fun. And if I failed, I just was stressed out that people were mad at me for five minutes and then I moved on, you know? So it was like a very immature way of handling things. So that was a big lesson in failure. And another big lesson in failure that I would have to say would be thinking that my body has failed me. So (laughs) the bought in belief that injuries and things that occur to you are you being broken the act of blaming and playing the victim. And that to me was the biggest, but most beautiful failure, you know, that I've induced upon myself because I believed that I was broken. So I always like to look internal first before I see something as external making me fail. It's noteworthy because you've had some pretty gnarly injuries. You are not (laughs) the injury train, but I want to switch gears because I think with failure and with identifying and it's really wonderful that you can reflect as you can. Not everyone is at that point in embracing failure with it has fueled the next version of Caro and Mm. everything you're up to now. And, Mm. and I want to know what's the vision, where are you going? What do you care about a lot right now? My current vision is actually, so much clearer than it ever has been because I just got over a concussion and oddly enough as dark and crazy and what comes up during a concussion is insane. But as hard as that was for a month, it was also like a blank slate. It really carved just a whole new perspective for me. I was just grasping for so long to figure out why, 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 why why I was broken, why I was this, like playing victim, why I haven't succeeded in this yet, and why this isn't moving fast enough, and why haven't I done this? And so now my vision is building Rise, creating a crazy cool platform for Olympians to feel that they have something to be a part of a team of again, 
and then obviously impacting the next generation. So we're really focused on creating that community and that culture. Shifting the game of sport is what we call it. <laughs> and I have a lot of just secret visions for art right now and design. So I've been doing some side work and just fun abstract sketches. I call my muses. <laughs> uh, so that's been my vision as far as creation goes. What about sweat? I want to know how you're moving your body these days. Mm. Well, I didn't move my body for five weeks, hardly, except real? for walks, which was super real. It's probably the most humbled I've ever been in my life to have a brain injury. So now I had to steer clear of a lot of head jostling things for a while. So I got into more steady weightlifting. It's not that crazy, but I <laughs> do. And then I'm just now getting back in the pool. So right now it's just strength work and swimming. And then I'll do yoga on my own just by myself for peace and calm walks. And, that, you know, I'm starting to run a little bit again, but I don't really have a huge weight on my shoulders for anything to prove. Mm. So I don't feel like I have anything to prove with running. So I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it because I want to. Amazing. I broke my heel twice in a year. And so I'm just going to let it come to me when it's ready. So right now I'm building my foundation back getting strong and being in the water because the water is beautiful movement for me, even if it's nice and easy. (laughs) Water is home. Yes. That black line. Um, (laughs) Caro, I hate this, but our time is up and we must wrap. And our last question of every podcast is what is currently making your heart beat faster? Creating Mm. Uh, and, and sketching. I'm literally obsessed right now. I can't stop. And it just makes me so happy. And I have never in my life felt so excited about making things so imperfect. So it's like a a huge test of my perfectionism um, tendency with work. So by sketching messy and keeping it fun and being abstract with what I do creation wise with pen to paper it really helps me understand that life is messy and beautiful. And so is everything else that you do. And the more that I try and make things so perfect, it just doesn't align. So (laughs) that's been really heartbeat faster, faster, faster every day. Hot damn. Let's just mic drop (laughs) and hit stop. I love you, girl. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope you keep swimming. Yeah. Yeah. We better swim together soon. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, girl. Yeah. Oh, big love.